Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. So NFL football is back here in Detroit. The season had a little bit of a rocky start. Yesterday, the Lions looked pretty bad for three quarters against the San Francisco 49ers, despite finally coming alive in the fourth quarter. The Lions, of course, still lost 41-33. to Now, many of you who've listened to the show for some time know that I have had a complicated relationship with the NFL in the past for a number of reasons. I have been observing a boycott of the league uh, for several years, but uh, for many reasons, it has kind of slipped away, and I've gotten way sloppier about uh, avoiding professional football than I have in the past. We can talk a little more about that later, but uh, I do want us to talk on this show about all of the storylines that come out of the NFL. The NFL, of course, is not just about football. It's not just about sports. It's about culture. And we learned in the last few years, especially, how much of uh, our culture gets expressed through the NFL and how often our cultural conflicts play out on the gridiron and in the locker rooms and in the front offices of our NFL teams. Uh, The state of our lackluster Lions and many of the other controversies surrounding the NFL are part of life here in Southeast Michigan. And so we always want to take a moment every once in a while to take a look at what's going on with the Lions, with the NFL, with the culture, and the way it interacts with both. So to unpack some of those things, we'd like to welcome back a friend of the show who joins us often to talk about sports and culture, Detroit News sports columnist John Neo. John, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Good to be with you. So first, let's talk about the Lions yesterday. And so they brought uh, you back in. <laughs> they did. They have right? suckered me back <laughs> in with a number of compelling storylines, including sure. this young quarterback who they have traded Matthew Stafford for. Jared Goff comes to us from the Los Angeles Rams, but also the new coach and the promise of a new day. We've seen this all before here in Detroit. Uh, <laughs> how new of a day was it yesterday? Well, it was a long day. That game felt like it took an eternity, um, in part because it did. Yeah, it was a tale of almost three games is what it felt like. No, it was. You're right. It was, um, I mean, first off, the new part was the old part, which was there were fans back in the building, Mm -hmm. and there was, you know, 60,000 screaming Lions fans, actually probably 50,000 screaming Lions fans and and 10,000 screaming 49ers fans back in the building. So it, it felt more like, you know, the scene we all have come to know uh, with professional sports and college sports as well. Um, just a packed building and, you know, sort of an electricity that goes along with that. And you're right, it's a new regime, new front office, new coaching staff, largely a new roster. Nearly half the faces weren't here a year ago. Um, but it was also, it was an odd scene for, I think, for most Lions fans because they watched their Lions in the afternoon. And then they watch the quarterback they've been spending the last more than a decade watching uh, at night on national TV winning a game against the Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, a, it was a strange day all the way around. Uh, and it was a strange game because it started off terribly like we've come to expect from the Lions. And then it ended with this crazy finish that almost left everyone happy. Sure. And 
those last few minutes where the team looked sharper and more sure. determined and more exact in the way that it was playing football. I, I, how much of that is what this team really is or could be? And how much of it was just that uh, San Francisco perhaps in the last few minutes was not uh, was not playing its best football anymore and, and not that worried? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's probably all of the above. And certainly we've seen our share of comebacks over the years that that came up short um, with the Lions. But um, this one was important, I think, in that, look, everyone, including probably the Lions coaches and ownership and everybody in that locker room, although they can't afford to admit it, knows this is not going to be a, a very successful season in terms of wins and losses. But it was important because it is a new team and a new coaching staff that that they that they did fight to the end. And we've heard a lot this offseason about sort of this, different vibe and a, certainly a, a better relationship between the coaches and players and guys, you know, really wanting to buy in um, to see that then at the end where they didn't give up and you know, nobody just kind of rolled over, which we certainly saw a lot of last year. Um, I think it was important it, in the end. It doesn't matter. You're still 0 one, but um, <laughs> I think for Lions fans, I think that was at least a little bit encouraging to see something there at the end. Mm-hmm. Although it was interesting because most of the Lions fans had headed to the, parking garage and back to the tailgates and et cetera. <laughs> so there was probably a, a pretty even split of 49ers and Lions fans left in the building. But those who stayed actually got a, a little entertainment. They got a little bit of a show, yeah. yeah. So I, I want to pull the lens back a little now and talk about the league and the way in which the league is being affected by COVID and then also how it's interacting with other cultural phenomenon. Uh, let's start with with COVID, and I want to start with a p- specific uh, storyline. Quarterback Cam Newton, who's a former mm-hmm. league MVP and team captain, was recently released by the New England Patriots. And some people have speculated that uh, his refusal to say whether or not he's vaccinated is the reason that he got cut. Uh, sports writer Jamel Hill wrote in The Atlantic that teams have good reason to cut players or refuse to sign them if they are either unvaccinated or cagey about their vaccine status. So w- what do we make of of where that leaves the league right now? That's a very high-profile player uh, to take that kind of action against. Is the league sending a message here? Oh, for sure they're sending a message, and they've sent it in, in about as many ways as they felt like they could legally and otherwise uh, this off season with the protocols they put in, obviously last year was a different animal. Um, it was a completely uncharted territory for all these pro sports leagues. So the protocols that were put in place, you know, it was, it was, it was about as strict as you could get and still attempt to play a season. Uh, this year, obviously with vaccinations, they've put in all sorts of incentives, if you want to call them that for these players to, 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 to go ahead and get vaccinated and follow the science, et cetera, um, because they've made it, they've come out and said, essentially, your life's going to be pretty miserable and it's not going to be easy to do your job unless you're vaccinated. It's not a mandate, but it's, you know, probably one step shy of that from the league's perspective. And so they, they've done that. And, and, you know, most teams are at 90 plus percent, I think, you know, 80% or more of, of players vaccinated, which is certainly greater than the average you know, the general population in this country. But um, but then you've also had some coach. I mean, Urban Meyer, the new coach at the Jacksonville Jaguars, really said the quiet part out loud 
essentially saying that, yeah, it's going to be a tiebreaker, you know, uh, in terms of roster cuts and things like that. And obviously, the you know, the union doesn't want to hear that. And, and certainly the league probably didn't want to hear him say that either. But that's been the essentially the the reality. And so these players, you know, the Lions certainly had a few players that talked about, you know what, I wasn't going to get it, but I went ahead and did it because I felt like I needed to just to do my job. And um, we're certainly seeing that. We've had some outbreaks on teams in the preseason and, and training camp that showed how problematic it's going to be for teams if something does happen. It's not the same as last year in terms of the testing and the protocols and, and guys being taken out of commission by a positive test or close contacts, but um, it is still going to be difficult uh, for teams if there is a case or two or three mm-hmm. in your locker room. And so they've made it clear to teams that you got to do whatever you can to, to, to keep this from happening because we're not going to have rescheduled games and, you know, delayed games or kickoffs. We're going to have forfeits if, if teams suddenly have an outbreak and can't play. Mm-hmm. I'm talking with John Neo. He's a sports columnist for the Detroit News. And we're talking about the new NFL season, which we saw our Detroit Lions venture into yesterday against the San Francisco 49ers. An unsuccessful effort, ultimately. But we did see flashes of a team that could give us some excitement over the next four months. Uh, we're talking also about the impact on the NFL and on fans of things like COVID-19, which is, of course, still with all of us and affecting all of our lives, that it will affect uh, football this year the way uh, it is affecting everything else, just like it affected football last year as well. Uh, We're also going to talk about some of the other cultural controversies that are playing out in the context of football and the NFL. want to hear from you as well. Uh, are you watching the Lions or the NFL this season? What interests you about the league or our team this year? Uh, also, let me know if you would go to an NFL game at this point. Uh, would you go to a stadium uh, because of the pandemic? Uh, maybe not uh, choosing to do something like that. Uh, also, give us your predictions for the NFL this year, and especially for our Detroit Lions. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter at hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, before we get to listeners, John, I want to talk about uh, the uh, the issues of race and racial justice in the context of, of the NFL. Those were two of the of the things that led me to begin boycotting the league uh, a few a few years back i think the the reaction to players kneeling for instance was something that i just really uh, didn't care for the way the owners handled that it, it, that issue seems to be playing out a little differently now i guess in the nfl uh, and perhaps we're starting to see change i'm not Certainly um, suggesting that that this is not an issue uh, in the NFL or anywhere else, but that perhaps it looks a little different now than it did a few years ago. I, I think it's it's not quite as um, jarring, perhaps for for fans and for owners, et cetera. That obviously there's a different president in the White House, and so there's different sort of uh, um, you know the the, the 
motivations and rationales that some of these NFL owners have changed depending on the pressure they're receiving from that bully pulpit. But, um, but you, you do. I mean, we saw in the stadium yesterday, uh, there's slogan stenciled in both end zones. Uh, it takes all of us in one end and to end racism in the other end zone. So it's, it's still there. It's still, um, visible, if you will. I think players are allowed to have, uh, and, you know, the NFL uniforms were always viewed as these, you know, sancti- sanctified, you know, spaces. And, mm-hmm. and they're allowing players to put decals on their helmets that I think there's a handful of, of slogans that they can put these, big, you know, Black Lives Matter, Inspire Change, et cetera. Um, so you're seeing some of that. And you're seeing, I think we're not seeing the kneeling um, nearly as much as we did a few years ago or even last year. Um but players are doing their own things. Um, and certainly some of these teams have taken steps with, you know, financially um, to support social justice causes. The Lions have done that in Detroit here. And um, we'll continue to see that. The league, I think, is just, I think there's much less pressure being felt on all sides um, right now. And obviously we're removed from the sum- last summer and, and, you know, summer before this past summer mm-hmm. with the George Floyd uh, murder and so on. So I think some time has passed in that regard as well. Yeah. Again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number here on the phones. Let's uh, start with Sean in River Rouge. Sean, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Hi, how are you all? Good. How are you? Um, I'm well. I was calling because I am actually an employee. I work at Forfield uh, on the food and beverage side. Mm-hmm. And yesterday was our first day back in over two years. So going in. I was initially nervous about, I didn't know if there would be a lot of people there, but it it was regular like normal, and there were absolutely no masks, so it kind of gave me pause, and I was kind of nervous about that, even though I'm fully vaccinated, mm. because it was wall-to-wall people, and no one had on a mask. Mm. So, uh, you know, Sean, I, I was also there uh, yesterday. It's the first time in many years, in fact, I'd gone to an NFL game. And I noticed also not a lot of people wearing masks. I was a little nervous about going. I did have a mask with me, and I tried to, you know, wear it as much as I could inside uh, and even up in the concession areas uh, where where people I thought seemed not to be wearing masks in in large numbers. Uh, Sean, can you tell me whether employees there are required to wear a mask? Like, did you have to wear a mask the whole time? I couldn't. I couldn't tell if all of the people working were wearing masks. Have to, but then they changed the rule on uh, September second, so all employees had to be have, had to have masks. On. You do have to have masks on. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's the fans who are not. Uh, Right, right, right. Doing it. Yeah. Uh, Sean, I really appreciate the call and uh, the perspective there. Uh, John, th- this it, it seems to me the, the, the real risk that the league is taking, but, but it's not that different, I guess, from lots of other uh, institutions that are taking risks at this point by getting people together in large groups. But it seems to me that the potential downside is that one of these games becomes a super spreader event or something like that, and then that damages the league's reputation, I would think, uh, and damages people's trust in in them to keep everyone safe. But but perhaps they're not all that worried about it. Yeah, and I feel I mean, obviously, all of these things are taken in the context of the larger, you know, social 
atmosphere and it feels like our society is ready to take that risk and take that step especially now that you know half the population is vaccinated but you're right it's 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 an awkward um and it's jarring um and it's really a, a bit different i was at michigan stadium on saturday night for the first time you know with fans i wasn't there for the opener two weeks ago um and it, i was surprised just to take it all in and you that was a hundred eight thousand is what it was announced as mm-hmm. now it's outdoors um and these college stadiums by and large are outdoors so it feels a little bit different i think fans probably feel a little bit differently about the risk that they're they're, they're taking on um by being outdoors uh in a large crowd as opposed to indoors in a large crowd but I, you're right um it's something that the the NFL and all of these you know you know leagues are going to have to to grapple with, and how that how far do they go in sort of um, requiring whether it's you know vac- proof of vaccination or a negative test? Um, some colleges have gone that route. Some pro teams have gone that route. I don't think we're going to see too many more. But if things spike and continue to trend in a terrible way in terms of of, uh, of outbreaks and and so forth that you may see some more you know you know regulations mm-hmm. being put in place along those lines but um it wasn't you know and look our life is different in the media i mean we were back in not in locker rooms but in press conference settings and media rooms now we we are required you know i'm vaccinated everyone i know in the media core is vaccinated and so we're but we're tested um to have access to players in that outdoor setting, even we're tested uh, weekly um, just in case things move indoors and we're indoors to watch practice. So th- those kinds of things are in place uh, at our level, but you know, in the, in the larger, you know, 60,000 people all screaming, drinking, et cetera. Yeah. It's, this is, this is what we were afraid of, I guess. And many of us, you know, a year ago, and now it's a question of our use, are you more comfortable because you're vaccinated? And I think most people, I'm, I'm surprised at how big the crowds have been at some of these places, to be honest. Mm. I, I thought it might be take bands longer to come back mm. in full force. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to Gene in Detroit. Gene, welcome to the show. You there, Gene? Oh, good morning, Stephen. Hey, how are you? The problem with the Lions is uh, not the players or the coaches. It's the owners. As long as they can sucker us in with a certain level of mediocrity, <laughs> uh, they just keep doing it. Are you calling us suckers, Gene? Like are, we, are we all suckers? <laughs> I believe he's calling you a sucker, Stephen. And, and I've written the look. He's to a certain extent. Certainly, he's right. I mean, this is you know the NFL is a cash cow. Uh, it's a business that can print money because yes, if you put that product, there's only 32 teams. You put that product on the field and get sixty thousand people in the door. It's you know the incentive to win is is you know purely um, internal. It's not uh, financial, if you will. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is a new owner. I, I will say this about it's it, it's the same family name, but it's uh, Sheila Ford Hamp is has taken over in the last year, and this is the, they are trying something different. Whether fans want to believe it or not i certainly understand not um but they are trying something different with this sort of a total rebuild and you know they're borrowing a page from the other pro sports teams in this town but with a new 
front office and a new coaching staff all at once trying to build this the right way, they say, and doing it in sort of a, a collaborative way that certainly wasn't the case with the last coaching staff and, mm-hmm. and front office regime. Um, it is new. Now, whether it's going to work or not and how long it's going to take and how much patience fans might have for that it is another matter, and I totally get it because you've seen 60-plus years of one playoff win, so this is not – this is not new until it's different. Mm. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, John Neo, the sports columnist for the Detroit News. It's always great to have you here. Actually, before I let you go, I, I want to give you a chance to react to something slightly off topic here. Ben Wallace was inducted uh, into the Basketball Hall of Fame over the weekend and gave a really interesting and moving speech this is a guy, though, who always has, I think, thrown curveballs uh, at, at us as Detroiters, as us as fans, at us as Americans. Uh, but his speech was very much, I thought, uh, in, in the style of what we've come to expect from uh, Ben Wallace, which is to expect the unexpected. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was uh, he was strangely one of the most popular Detroit athletes and a guy who just sort of came out of nowhere to be one of those. It was, you know, there were no expectations when he showed up here after a trade Mm -hmm. and, and he became sort of the embodiment of certainly of the Pistons in that last championship they had, but but really this town, I mean, if you think back to what, 15, 20 years ago, I mean, kids showing up, you know, everybody fear the fro and everything else, but he was just this blue. I mean, he certainly epitomized the blue collar work ethic the defense the the no frills approach to the way he played but it, it, just his story in general i mean it comes from abject poverty mm-hmm. uh and became a superstar in the league and now a hall of famer um just by sheer will um and i you know i think fans just embraced his genuineness uh and it came through again this weekend just watching him there with as he's going into the hall of fame it was pretty impressive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks, as always, for joining us, John. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to switch subjects. We're going to hear from author David Cutler about his new book, Survival of the City, Living and Thriving in an Age of Isolation. A real look at what's happening to change cities and what they must do to adapt to survive and thrive in the future. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.